I knew what I wanted to talk about this morning, but I wanted something at the beginning to kind of hook you in. We'll see if it works, all right? But today we're going to talk about what mothers uh, are made of. But I want to start, though, with something that I came across as I was prepping for this. And it was an elementary school teacher who had her kids make uh, Mother's Day cards for their moms in class. And with this, and I don't, I don't know if it's true, I don't know, whatever, but it, with it, she asked them some questions. And you can see that the first question, she's probably getting a little too technical for what her elementary school kids were going to do. The first question was, what are some ingredients mothers are made of? Well, the first one said, God makes mothers out of clouds and angel hair and every nice thing in the world. And one dab of me in there as well. You can probably relate to that, right? The second one, I think they kind of got it, they sort of got it right. They had to get their start from men's bones. Then they mostly used string and duct tape, I think. That feels like something the little kid heard dad say out in the garage or something right there. And so she realized, I think, pretty quick that I don't know if these, this might not be what we're, you know, we don't need you saying who's made out of duct tape and send it on the car at home probably right there. So she said, well, let's go about it a different way. What kind of little girl was your mom? This is a fun question to ask somebody who's little because everybody who's little thinks everybody who's old has been old since the beginning of time, right? What kind of little girl was your mom? Well, my mom has always been my mom. None of that other stuff. So to start with, like that, she's always been mom. It started on that day. And the second, I don't know because I wasn't there. <laughs> but my guess is she's pretty bossy. <laughs> Maybe so. They said she used to be nice. <laughs> we can probably all relate to this sometimes as well, right? So then after the second question, it's like, well, let's just make a card here, okay? Why do you love your mom? Well, the first couple answers are funny, you know, kind of, but why do you love your mom? The first one, I love my mom because she let me get a dog, and then she let me sleep with it, and I hope she lives forever. We can probably relate to that one, right? I love my mom because she lets me read my book under the covers with a flashlight and gives me lots of chances to pick up my toys, right? <clears throat> my mom is the best mom in the world. She lets me share the chocolates in the cabinet. She reads to me and we sit on the porch swing together. That's a sweet one, right? The last one. She's nice, pretty, warm, soft. She laughs like an angel. She's the best. That's my mom. You know, sometimes we get funny answers for those things when we try to get all scientific, when we try to get all technical with it. But some of the sweetest ones are just the simplest questions. The woman that taught this, I'm sure, probably thought I should have just went with this right from the get-go. But why do we love our mom? Well, today on Mother's Day, I want to look at a couple of questions, three questions actually, that are sort of similar to this. And I want you to think about maybe the response that you would give to the person. But first of all, what are mothers made of? Well, I've got three things there. We'll get to those here in just a second. But I don't know how you would answer 
that question, what are mothers made of, right? Because we could get the biology textbook out and we could define all the things because that's technically what mom is made of, right? There's a heart and lungs and arms and legs and all that, but I don't think that's what we necessarily want to mention right here. But I want to think about three things here that mothers are made of. The first one, it is mom's willingness to teach. Think about that for a second. In Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6, this is a verse that you'll be familiar with. It tells us to train up a child in the way he should go, right? And when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's not a new word. But think of the new verse. But think about the teaching that happens almost from the get-go. From the minute that that child is born, mom is teaching in some form or fashion. Mom is giving some kind of instruction. There's things about safety, right? Don't touch this. Don't go there. This door is locked. You don't need to go. Whatever it might be. Mom's teaching things like little songs that you might sing. Little nursery rhymes or things of that nature that might be something. Mom is teaching those. Those kinds of lessons that are there. They come almost from the get-go. And you know, those of us that have had small children, and however long ago or short ago that time was, those small children, you're singing to them, and you're talking to them, and they can't respond back, right? You know, they might respond back by wetting their diaper or something like that. They don't have any way to, but you're already communicating with them. You're already teaching and working with them. That mother is made of one thing, a willingness to teach, because it starts Right there from the get-go. Number two, it's a willingness to guide. This is a little bit similar to teaching, but I think there's some differences that come with these two words as well. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, we read verses that you'll know. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. Now, think about that for a second. I don't know what that last sentence is, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. But that long life on the earth is different for different people, right? We know people that have lived short distances, medium distances, or long distances of life, right? But that guidance works all the way through there. This willingness to guidance of the children are, are told in Ephesians, to obey your parents because they're looking out for what's best for you. Those lessons will remain with us. We've mentioned this in this context, in this building before, but those lessons stay long after that person is gone. There's a grave freshly dug in Leicester Cemetery where Lucille Hammonds is buried. But the lessons that she has taught over her life are going to last a lot longer. That, those, that grave, those, that grass will come up and that grave will start to sink a little bit and before long it won't look near as fresh like a lot of the ones that are in the Lancaster Cemetery. But those lessons, that guidance that was provided will be there forever. That guidance that our mothers present to us, a willingness to guide. The third, what about a willingness to comfort? Dad mentioned a minute ago when I was little, I really don't even remember having earaches I've been told a lot that I did, but I just don't remember them. 
And I think there's a reason why. Maybe I don't remember them. I'm sure it hurt. I know it hurt. But I think that the comfort that was provided by mom, not usually bad, but provided by mom in that situation right there was what we desired, right? And so my ear might have hurt, and I know it did because I know I had ear problems when I was little, but that ear might have hurt. But I think the thing that I remember more is the comfort that was provided rather than the pain that it was. Think about that. That may be a story that works with you. I don't know what your problems might have been, your health issues or whatever they could have been, but that comfort, that willingness to comfort uh, is that something a mother is made of. Isaiah chapter 66 and verse 13, it says, As one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you, and you shall be comforted in Jerusalem. So many of the writers of the Bible use references that seem to make a lot of sense to people, right? You know, when Isaiah is writing this, this notion of as a mother comforts, I didn't look it up. I don't know when Isaiah was written, but it was written a long time ago. We can agree on that date, right? 2,500 years ago or something like that. But it's interesting to note that two, 3,000 years ago, the notion of mother comforting meant a whole lot to people just as it does right now. I'm sure there were little kids in the time of Isaiah that had earaches that's mothers comforted them. People could relate to that kind of thing right there. And what we have in relation as well is that comfort that God can provide us. The mother's made of three things right there. So what about the power of her influence? Occasionally they'll do surveys or questions and they'll say, who are the most influential people in the world? And those answers usually elicit responses from Celebrities or politicians, musicians, athletes. But that's because more people know it. But if you ask an individual singularly who is the most influential person in the world, you're probably going to get a pretty individual answer. See, for me, that influence may very well be my mom. But it's probably not going to be the answer for a lot of other people in this room. Maybe one more uh, that's in here. But not a whole lot of others, right? But my mom is a far greater influence on me than the leading scorer for the Denver Knights. Or the movie star who's made $50 billion in films. I might like them. I might enjoy their work. I may enjoy that movie or I may go watch them play basketball. But that influence is only just for a brief period of time. But that mom's influence is there all the time. And there's a power that's in that. There's little that can compare to it, right? Of all the roles on earth, which one's more important? You ever heard the saying, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world? You know what that means? That means that mom has all the influence right there. Wise men throughout have always recognized the role of your mom. I said the basketball reference, for example, because have you ever seen a basketball or football draft or something like that, and these players get drafted, they're about to go play for a professional team, who's the first person they hug? Mom. And they interview them off to the side, and they'll say, what are you feeling right now? And they'll say something to the effect of, I just want to thank my mom for everything that she did. Because what they're saying right there is mom probably had it pretty tough to drive you here and there to these practices, to come up with enough money for you to play on this league, to be able to sometimes maybe 
tell you you can't play because you did something dumb and you got to go through some punishment there as well. But those people always recognize that that influence of mom is what mattered the most. Paul said in the reading there that Kevin did in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 that it was through women that humanity were built, right? It says that it was, women came from man, but man came from woman, but they all came from whom, right? The reading said they all came from God right there. So how can a mother be influential? Let's think about that for a second. Can they be influential as a business owner or as an employee? Certainly, of course. Can they be influential as uh, a representative of the community? Certainly, absolutely. But each of those things come and go. Think about that for a second. Those people that are in any kind of power, this is man or female, male or female is one, but the people that are in some kind of power, whenever they pass away, it may say in the obituary that they worked at such and such factory for 30 years. They retired in 1986. Or it might say that they taught school for 28 years and they retired in such and such year. But the obituary says she was the mother of dot, dot, dot. List those names. See, those don't ever change, right? That was from the start all the way to the finish. See, these things that we have, these sort of gold and silver, these things that we earn, these successes that we have out in the world, they're there ever so briefly, right? But we joke at school all the time. If you were to fall over dead, they'd have the job posted before the ambulance pulled out of the driveway, right? They would because somebody's going to feel that spot. Nobody can feel that spot of the mother, right? That influence is going to be there no matter what. It would always be there. Um, First Peter chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, right? Arranging your hair, wearing gold, putting on fine apparel. Rather let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. See, what we see here is those things that sort of adorn the outside, they don't really mean a whole lot. They dress you up for a while, but those can be removed. But it's those things on the inside, that influence on the inside of the mom, the mother, that's there forever. That influence is always present. There's biblical stories of women of influence, right? You know, we referenced that just a minute ago. The professional athlete gets drafted. Thank you to my mom for this. Well, what about the story of Timothy? Who are the two most important people in Timothy's life? Well, Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 1 about how influential Timothy's mother, Eunice, and his grandmother, Lois, have been in Timothy's life. See, Timothy is this guy who's going to go and preach and teach, but Paul, in a sense, is saying, like, you sort of learned it from these ladies right here. This mother and this grandmother have taught you. They were, they were the ones who had initiated his faith, right? We're not born with faith in God. Our faith comes from some form of initiation. We may start bringing our child to church the minute, the, the, the minute they're born. But what we're doing right there is we're sort of initiating that faith. Well, what Paul says is that his mother, or the, excuse me, the Timothy's mother and grandmother had both done that for him. They educated him. They had developed him. They had developed his sound mind, his fearlessness to go preach his love, all of that. They had left him a legacy, right? A faith that he put in practice every single day. Our mothers do 
that exact same thing. That power of influence is still there. So what's the challenge of motherhood? Well, this is where I can't answer this question. Because I will never be a mother. There's a challenge to fatherhood. We may address that one in June instead of in May. But they're different things. Now, the book of Proverbs, chapter 31, famously portrays the beauty of a good woman. You can turn there if you want. It goes pretty quick, Proverbs chapter 31. We'll look at verse 11 to start with. But these are descriptors of a wife, but I think they work just as well as a descriptor of a mother. Verse 11 says that she is trustworthy. I have some students every year that as the year goes along, you find out more and more about them. You know, in August and September, you don't really know anything about them. You may know their brother or their sister. I'm at an age now where I know their mom or dad sometimes. But you may not necessarily know much about them. But as the year goes along and you get closer with them, they come to trust you. But you also come to realize that for a lot of them, there's not a whole lot of trust anywhere else. They'll tell you things that their families have done, and it breaks your heart because you don't want them to have to experience that. There's a desire in Proverbs 31 verse 11 that our mother be trustworthy. And when I can't trust anyone else, I would hope to be able to trust her. Verse 17 says that she would be strong in her convictions. Not wishy-washy. Now, I've told this before. Jess is here and she can relate. We knew what the answer was when we asked mom and she said, we'll see, right? You knew what that answer was. We'll see. I don't know. We have these dictionaries that translate from English to French and English to Spanish. We'll see is translation from mom of we'll see means no. Okay? No. That's what it is. And when you're 14, that no doesn't make a lick of sense, right? Why in the world will she not let? They're doing it. But she's strong in her convictions. No means no. And you know, sometimes you're 24 or 34 or 41, and it makes a little bit more sense what that was. But if mom was wishy-washy, if she went, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, there'd be a lot more mistakes made by a lot of folks. Verse 19 and 20. She's caring, compassionate, and merciful. See, all three of those things are descriptors of our mother. I will cry. But being caring and compassionate and merciful are things that come from those first couple of things. Because I know that when things maybe went wrong, I know who to go talk to. <laughs> go talk to Dad. He's like, well, well, you should have done this. You should have done this. I, I do the same thing to Will. He goes and talks to Mary. But I knew when it was real bad who to go talk to, right? Sometimes you just need 10 minutes with mom. Verse 21. She's optimistic. 
So I'm going to build off of that. The reason I didn't go to dad is because then I thought, well, this is probably the worst thing that's ever happened. I did the exact same thing. Well, with the life is everything's going wrong. Why, why can't we not, you know? I was, let's get a run, work these blood pressure down just a little bit right there. But you go tell mom, and you knew that mom was going to fuss at you. Sometimes it worked. It hurt worse when mom didn't fuss at you, just to be honest with you. Y'all can relate to that a little bit too. But I always knew when it was over, you leave with a little bit of optimism, right? It's not better. It's not fixed. It's not right. But we'll get through it. Optimism. Verses 22 through 25. Strong and dignified. I can't tell you how many times mom's asked me to pick something up. So it's real hard for me to describe mom as being strong, all right? If we set mom down on a weight bench in the, work, in the weight room, I don't think she's going to be able to put much up, right? But a lot of times her mother is the strongest person that we know, right? It's not about barbells and dumbbells and all that kind of stuff, but it's about the strength to be able to carry through things that are difficult, things that are challenges. I don't have any clue what it was like to raise two kids at the same time. Mom never told me. A lot of that stuff she kept to herself, I'm sure. She didn't need to tell that, right? Didn't have to tell that. Just power through. Work through it. Show that strength. I can handle this. She did things I know that Jess and I never going to know about. She didn't want us to know about. Your mom did the same. The last one. Verse 27. She's industrious. I don't know what our family's financial situation ever was. We didn't talk about it. Felt like we had enough. But I'm almost certain that there were times when we didn't quite as much. There were times when things cost money. There were times when mom had to be a little industrious, make a little of this work, right? Can y'all relate to that? Y'all all done the same thing, right? Trying to put two things together and hopefully it'll work out the same way. Those are all challenges of motherhood. I see the same thing with my wife, and it's a shame that Mary's not here. But I want to tell you a quick story before we sort of wrap things up. Every Friday night in the fall, me and Dad and Will go watch a football game somewhere. Sometimes it's right up the street, Leinster, Stanford, but sometimes it's hours away. We've never once went and not asked Mary to go. She said yes one time. After we got married, she never said yes again, all right? She didn't want to go to the end of the street. But Friday night is Mexican food night. I don't, that's, I don't know if y'all know that or not, but at our house, it's Mexican food night for Mary because we're not, we're not there. But no matter where it is that we go, we might end the game at 10. We're going to be home. It's going to be warm before we get home. I text her. I call her. and said, we're on our way. She knows where we are, so she knows where we're going. There's never been a single time that we've pulled into that driveway that she wasn't awake. Now, I tell you that story because there's a few different reasons for it. 
But I know that if she called me and said, we'll be home in three hours, we'll be home at one, I'd probably be like, just be safe and try not to be too loud when you come in, right? That's not how a mother thinks, right? Fathers think different, right? Because a mother right there, no matter where we're coming from, she wants to see us in the driveway, in the house, and in the bed. Because when you're there, everything's fine, right? And if I got to stay up to one or two or three or tomorrow, whatever it's got to be, that's what they want to say. That's what a mother does. That's the challenge of motherhood. Because I've seen her face when we walk in on some of those nights. And I know what a tired person looks like. You've been tired like that before too. But you waited up. For mothers, I know parenting is both a challenge and a privilege. Psalm chapter 127, verses 3 through 5, we read, Behold, children are a gift from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man, the psalmist writes, but I think we can fill in woman right there just as easy. Who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. Mothers have been entrusted to do more than really anybody else. They've been entrusted to take a tiny, precious gift from God and make it into something somewhere down the line. I don't know what the answer is to what mothers are made of. I don't know what my mom was like when she was little. But I know if you ask me who do I love more than anybody, it's probably her. And it probably will be. If there's anything we can do for you today, I invite you to come on stand.